Welcome back, everyone, to episode 32 of Life and Lit. We are starting off a new month with just a hodgepodge collection of novels that we have been interested in reading. So the first one we're kicking off with is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. I'm Sydney. And I'm Paige. And this is Life and Lit. She's about to lose it, and then you affect me, and I was like, "Your name is Paige. Your name is Paige. Say the right name." Because I was when I got back to the author part, I just thought of it. Okay, (laughs) we're good. We're fine. All good things. Yes. Well, before we kick this episode off officially, we do want to mention that we are doing a giveaway that we're super excited about with the girls over at the Prosecco and Pros podcast and our friend Alyssa with Capizzi and Company. And today is the last day to enter the giveaway. You have until 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern today to enter our giveaway. And we're giving away an autographed copy of Taylor Jenkins Reid new book, Carrie Soto is Back, a personalized bookmark from Alyssa, a book journal, a book tote, and some other little goodies in there. So head over to our Instagram page. It is pinned to the top of the page. And be sure to enter that giveaway today. And we're super excited to work with those girls and to do a giveaway. It's been kind of fun. Yeah, our first giveaway. And I guess we should clarify in case you're not listening this on – to this on the day it's released that would be today as in september 6th so yeah i guess early bird gets the worm here so if you listen on our release date thank you and also you know kind of heads up that there's a giveaway if you don't follow us yet on instagram i want to win this giveaway like i wish i could for real great and i want to read carrie soto is back obviously we love taylor jenkins read so i'm excited to and a little bit of jealous of whoever wins it i know it's gonna be kind of hard to like send it off to someone else yeah but we're super excited and if you've already entered thank you and be sure to watch our social media pages to see who wins and we're gonna announce later this week so With that, we will just dive on into this episode, and I will start with the summary. So again, this is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. France, 1714. In a moment of desperation, a young woman makes a Faustian bargain to live forever and is cursed to be forgotten by everyone she meets. Thus begins the extraordinary life of Addie LaRue and a dazzling adventure that will play out across centuries and continents, across history and art, as a young woman learns how far she will go to leave her mark on the world. But everything changes when, after nearly 300 years, Addie stumbles across a young man in a hidden bookstore, and he remembers her name. There it so, is. It sounds it is. so simple, but there's a lot to this book. I think this is kind of our first fantasy-esque book that we've covered on this podcast it's not super fantasy because I know that's really not your thing but there's a little I would say it dabbles in the fantasy genre yeah it it feels like a time travel book but not really time travel yeah which we all know you love time travel right so like it is yeah but it's a hint of the fantasy is in like underworld and yeah things yeah it's not overwhelmingly but like yeah there's just a little bit there's a hint of it in this book and I actually received this book for my birthday which now that I'm thinking about it we're recording early and I'm exactly 28 and a half years old today so 
I don't know how I feel about that. Ooh, I feel happy. Old. Half birthday. Thank <laughs> <Hey>. you. <laughs> this last half of the year, we're just gonna stretch it out. Yeah, I hope it's better than the first half of 28. Let me just. So far, <laughs> not a huge fan of the late 20s, but you know, well, I'll we're give gonna it. Speak that into existence that this last half will be better. Yes, we're gonna manifest that right now. But I received this book for my birthday, and. I've been meaning to read it, but we, you know, I kept having to keep up with the pod and I would get books that I randomly found in the library. So eventually I was like, we should do this for the pod because it's a hugely popular book and you agreed. So you got it and now we get to discuss it. And I think this is going to be a good discussion. Yes, I agree. And we probably, do you want to go ahead and do our spoiler alert now? Yeah, we should right now. Before we get too carried away. Yes. So if you have not read this book and you want to, press pause, go read it, and then come back to hear our takes. Or if you want to just listen along as we tell you about it. But just going forward, there will be spoilers for this book. Yes. So this book starts out in France, as you said, in the year 1714. And we meet a young Adeline LaRue, who was born in a small French village, you know, kind of like the typical Disney story, I felt like, mm-hmm. you know, like she yes. was close to her dad. Her dad was a woodworker. Her mom was very strict. It and was giving me Belle. The Beast. Yes. Yeah. Belle yes. for sure. I like, yeah, that the opening number from Beauty and the Beast is playing yes. in my head as I was reading this chapter because she's like begging her dad to go to the market with him and see everyone and she sees all the handmade toys like it's a very it's the author paints a very pretty picture to start out with and mm-hmm. that's the last time that Addie who you know, that's kind of her nickname Addie goes to the market with her dad just this one and and only time so it's this magical experience for her but from then on her mom at home to you know work in the house and learn how to be a good wife and a good mother but that's never something that Addie wanted to do like she wanted to go out and see the world and live her life and not be stuck in the small village for her whole life which again very bell like vibes here so as Addie gets older Her friends are married off. They're having children. And Addie somehow escapes, you know, becoming engaged to a man. And they've tried several times, but she'll kind of, like, push another girl in front of her. Like, oh, but, like, have you met her? You know, like, she kind Mm -hmm. of weaves her way around it. And her kind of one friend or older friend in the village is, she was kind of, she seemed like the, again, another Disney reference, but like the grandma in the Disney movies that are like the old village woman that yes. everybody's afraid of, but Addie's best friends with. She and... gave me witchy vibes. Oh, yes. Like yeah. back in a cabin in the woods. Yeah, because she lived, with... she's never married. She didn't have children. She lived in a little hut in the woods, like you said, by herself with like her little garden. And mm-hmm. She could always be seen, like, on the edge of the woods praying to the old gods. You know, everyone else went to church in the village, including Addie and her family. But when she would go with her, she would talk about, you know, not wanting to be married and wanting to live her own life. And she's like, well, you just need to pray to the old gods and, like, offer them up something of value of yours. But don't Mm -hmm. pray to the gods who answer after dark. And that was always kind of her ominous warning to Addie. Yes, like her one rule is, yeah, never to pray to the to the gods after dark. Yes. So fast forward to when Addie is 23. She's kind of escaped being married, she thinks, because she has prayed to the old gods as her friend Estelle, or as you kind of see, like the village witch has told her to, but her mother has finally kind of matched her with an older man she's becoming engaged and she's praying just night and day or not night but like day (laughs) day after day day after day um to the gods but nobody's answering so it's finally her wedding day and 
you know, she's going through all the motions of the wedding day, but feeling none of the happiness because she feels like the old gods failed her and they ignored her. So she's actually walking down to the church with her family when she claims to have forgotten something at the house. And she's like, I'll be right back. So she runs back to the house, but then straight out the back door to the woods to kind of make one last ditch effort at getting out of this marriage. And during the time that she's making up this offering, you know, she grabbed this old wooden ring that her father carved for her many years ago. And that was like her most prized possession. It's the only thing she has left to offer. When she's making this offering and praying, she doesn't realize that it's gotten dark. And so a God does answer, but it is essentially the devil. Mm -hmm. So she offered up her favorite possession, but he rejects it. And she's so desperate in that moment that instead she offers the devil her soul. And he said, well, how long, like, how long do I have to wait? And all she said, she's essentially like, until I'm done with it. And he accepts. So she's essentially given eternal life and she thinks it's going to be great. Like she gets to live freely. She can live by her own rules, but the devil doesn't play fair. So she goes back to her house and immediately realizes that nobody in the village recognizes or remembers her. So she feels cheated, rightly so, because the devil, in allowing her to live, quote unquote, freely, the way that he's done it is because nobody will ever remember her. So she can do whatever she wants because they'll turn around and then see her again and not remember ever having met her before. Right. That's what... I thought was the most crazy. It's not that she just went back to her family and it was like she never existed, but she could just pretend to be someone new. It was like any time they lost sight of her, it reset and they would not remember who she was. And so she kept having these like deja vu moments over and over with her family and then with Estelle and people that she has strong memories of and then they have no idea who she is. Right. Which it was heartbreaking at first. She went to her best friend's house in the village and her friend took her in and offered her soup and clothes, you know, because she was wearing this old, dirty wedding dress. But then as soon as she like turned around, she's like, how are who are you? How did you get in here? Like just very alarming. Mm-hmm. And so immediately you just kind of feel like this loneliness and this sympathy for Addie because and making the this deal with the devil, she didn't know, like, how he was going to make her wishes come true, essentially. Right. So very like dirty trick. Twisted her words yes. into his own interpretation. And, of course, he had to throw in some punishment in there. Exactly. And not only is it that people don't remember her face or anything like that, it's she can't say her name. So if they ask for her name... She can't say Addie. She can't say Adeline LaRue. So she has to like adopt all these aliases because he's essentially wiped her from existence. Like anything, if she, she was an artist, she was, she loved to paint. She loved to draw, but as soon as she would paint or draw anything, it would disappear. Like she was never there. So he was very thorough in this. Yes. And But I also think, like, that was one of the most interesting parts of the story and, like, parts of her curse, you know. Well, and I think one of the more, like, upsetting pieces to feel like you were just never there at all. Like, that you couldn't physically make an impact on the world at all. Right. Would be so upsetting to think about. And that was kind of the one thing she wanted was to go and be free and do her own thing and live her own life. And then to basically be told that you can, but no one will ever remember it. It's kind of like, does it matter at that point? I don't know. It was, it was very deep twist on it. Yeah. And she, you know, she came to learn that she would have to live her life through, you know, stealing and sneaking into other people's houses. And, you know, so that's where it came in handy, I guess, if that's how you want to describe it, is she could steal the stuff and not 
you know, they wouldn't remember who did it. Um, and that's how she learned to, you know, get some clothes and, you know, get the food. But yeah, it was like the whole first part is basically learning how far her curse extends and what little ways she can work around it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she got really creative in a lot of her ways around the curse to like survive while always being forgotten. And I think that the author did a great job of developing that storyline. Like, I feel like there could have been a lot of plot holes in this, but I yes. feel like they really thought of everything. Yeah. And covered she did. The yes. Especially on this story. Yeah. Very thorough. I thought that was very interesting and kind of the ways that Addie learned to leave her mark were very mm-hmm. interesting to me because um, it had to be a very lonely existence for her. So this book flashes back to the time of like her initial curse to the present, which is 300 years later in New York, um, 2014. Which that's eight years ago. I know. I was like, I'm reading it, but I'm it's like, also not. Yes. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I read it as present day, and then now I'm like, no, we're that was almost 10 years ago, which is crazy. Yes. Yes. So this book also, like we said, it flashes back and forth, but we are going to do it a more of like a linear review so that we're not flashing back and forth. It's going to be like from the time. That Addie was first cursed and then to present day instead of kind of going back and forth because that can get confusing. So like we said, she kind of goes through um, trying to figure out how to live her life now essentially alone in the world. And she goes to Paris because she's like, I don't want to be in this village the whole especially because it was so sad that no, like everyone from her childhood didn't remember her so she's like it's too depressing to be here plus I made this deal to get out to be able to get out so she makes her way to Paris small town like yeah gonna be kind of living on the edge and stealing to survive I feel like it's a lot easier to do that in a big city yeah in a small town absolutely so she makes her way to Paris and this part, like, her first kind of few months in Paris made me think of Les Mis. Yeah. I dreamed a dream. I had, like, yes. total flashbacks <laughs> to that because, sadly, Addie, like, can't figure out how to get money. And she hasn't figured out that she can steal or she hasn't figured out how to steal well at this point. So mm-hmm. she kind of works down on the docks as a prostitute, um, which gave me severe Les Mis. Mm-hmm. vibes um and that that's it's a very sad portion like the first port part of the book and part of her curse is very sad to like see her live her it's a life downer. this way yeah and what she kind of has to reduce herself to mm-hmm. and eventually she kind of works her way up she learns you know the lies that she can tell people she you know does several little she has several like lies in her back pocket, I guess you could say like to get a new dress, she'll go into the dressmaker shop and be like, Oh, I'm the, you know, made for so-and-so. She asked me to come pick up this dress and they'll turn around and immediately forget her. So then she'll, you know, kind of go back into the shop to steal another outfit. And she Mm -hmm. learns, you know, which rich houses are empty at what time and she can stay there and eat their food and all this. So she learns to be like very street savvy, mm-hmm. but the devil who she comes up with a nickname as Luke is, you know, connection to Lucifer there. He comes back pretty much every year on July 29th, which was the day of her initial curse to be like, are you ready yet? You know, are you ready to give me your soul? And no matter how down she was or lonely she was, it was, she would like defy him and be like, no, I'm not ready. Like, why, why would I be done with this life? I can do whatever I want. I can be whoever I want. So they kind of have this cat and mouse game going on the whole book, which we'll get into the other storylines. But I think that was honestly my favorite storyline was just like their interactions. 
See, I hated that. Really? I Yeah, because I, it didn't make sense to me. I didn't. It was like a will they, won't they? Yeah. It nev- I know, but it it didn't logically make sense to me for some reason. Well, I this didn't. is fantasy. It's not supposed to be logical. <laughs> but my, see, this is why I struggle with fantasy because I'm like, I need a reason for everything. And I, I don't know. I just couldn't get behind that. But I did like, they were interesting scenes because there was a lot of conflict and tension with the two of them. Yes. And so that made it enjoyable. I listened to this on audiobook. No surprise. And yeah. so it made it interesting to listen to because it was one social interaction that she could actually carry on. Like most of her social interactions were reduced to probably five minutes or less. Yes. The time it took for someone to turn around and lose eye contact with her. So it was definitely interesting in that aspect, but. I and not. I think that's why she formed this relationship with him is he was the only one that she could have a like continuing relationship. Yeah, but then it felt like with. like Stockholm syndrome to me. Oh, for sure. Like for sure. This is not a good person. <laughs> no, it was interesting to see like the way they danced around each other though. I just yes. thought it was more interesting than the other plot line. Which we will get to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he visits her every year on what they were kind of like what Addie comes to see as their anniversary. Um, Mm. And she eventually questions him about it because like occasionally he'll pop up on another day. That's not the anniversary to kind of rescue her from a sticky situation. And when she asks him about it, he says that he wants to be the one to break her. And, you know, kind of gain her soul. So. But then they, sometimes he'll cause the sticky situations. Yeah. Well, he's the devil. He's I not, know. Which, I they, mean, they were interesting. Like, I think of the one where she's at a dinner party. Yes. And he shows up. And so, okay, here's also what I couldn't understand was that, like, the people in the world also saw him and knew of him. So that's why I was confused on a lot. Not everyone knew who he was. Or I think they kind of got the feeling that he was a really bad person. But other people had made deals with him. So that's how they knew who he was. But he he appeared in in different forms for each person. Like for Addie, he appeared in the form of this kind of perfect guy that she would draw when she was a teenager and dreaming of escaping home and like finding her one true love. So he kind of like modeled himself after that portrait that she drew. Right. But I guess I meant like whenever he would, it's not like he just appeared to her as that form. He would like this one party scene, he just shows up and she had snuck in there pretending to be part of the group and he basically called her out on it and got the whole room to turn on her and try to like kick her out until she made it out of the room and they forgot. But he, I don't know. It just struck me as weird that he just seamlessly had entered that room with those people. And maybe he yeah. was just a good shitter and they believed it when he's like, Oh, hello, madam, whoever. Yeah. They I think they did. It. Yeah. It was just strange to me. That's just his power, right? I guess. Yeah. So they kind of go through time. Again, this is all in flashbacks that we see this. But in 1914, which is 200 years after her initial curse, he admits that he likes her company and gives her back the wooden ring as like a token so that she can call Mm -hmm. on him. And she finally uses it many years later when she gets captured by the Germans in World War II. And she call- that's the first time that she ever calls on him because she's like, no, like, I want you to want me. I don't want to want you, essentially. And she's been able to get out of every other sticky situation. Yes kind of on her own like I took it as she as a pride thing that she didn't want to have to call him she wanted to 
outsmart her situations on her own. But during this one, it was kind of like, there's no other way out. Right. So she did call on him. And after that, he finally admits to wanting her, which I feel like the the author did a good job of like, although you know he's the devil, you know he's a bad person, you're like, does he actually like love her? Like what what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Like she did a good job of like trying to humanize him yeah. and make him look like he had real emotions, which we know he doesn't. But he's so good at playing the game that you start to wonder. And Addie also starts to wonder. And because of this, like, the sole relationship that she's been able to maintain over the years, she starts to fall for him. Because, you know, he's there for her and she feels like she, you know, can rely on him to an extent. Which, like you said, Stockholm Syndrome. But... Yeah, because that's the only one, like... Yeah, he's there for her, but he's the only one ever able to be. Right, exactly. So this isn't supposed. Yeah. To, I didn't see this as like a great love story, but I did. Just like a little side note, I saw, <laughs> but I didn't kind of like it. <laughs> no, no, I was just saying like at Barnes and Noble the other day. There's like this um, display that was like he's a ten, but dot dot dot, and then like all these books that fell into the category, and somebody had was put this, this on one here? up there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very accurate. Yeah, he's a ten, but he's the devil, you know. <laughs> but they, so from that moment on, they kind of start this big affair that lasts for years. And Addie ends up falling for him. And he claims to love her. But as the reader, you know he doesn't really. And I mean, they like establish a life. They're like in New Orleans. He buys a house there for them. Like it's this whole big thing. And finally, in 1980, Addie asks him to release her from her deal. And she thinks that because they're quote unquote in love that he will do it. And that's when he's like, well, you have to surrender to me and you have to give me your soul. But it's okay because you'll be with me. And Addie realizes that he was lying to her this whole time. He was still just using her. And she lashes out, they fight, and then they don't see each other until the present day storyline in 2014. So Addie has made her way to New York City in 2014. She has all these like kind of fantastical meet cutes with like famous people like we're we're skipping a lot there's so much that happens in this so book. much so much but you'll hear why we're skipping some of it but <laughs> um she makes her way to new york and you kind of once again go through the spiel of she steals she re you know she remakes her identity for every person that she passes and she finds herself in a bookstore because Throughout the 300 years that she's been on her own, she's, you know, learned many languages. She's become a great reader, like an avid reader, which relatable. But she finds herself in this bookstore and she's used to being able to steal and get away with it. And she takes a copy of the Odyssey, but it's in Greek. So she walks out of the bookstore with it when the store clerk runs out after her was like hey like you can't steal that book and she was surprised because she's like I left his line of sight like he should not be able to remember me and she's like oh like what do you mean what do you mean and tries to get away with it he's like no like I remember you like I saw you in there but he grabs the book he sees that it's the Odyssey in Greek and was like who steals a copy of the Odyssey in Greek and yeah and essentially like lets her get away with it so she goes back. She's thinking about him constantly. This is the first person other than Luke that has been able to remember her. Well, at this point, I think she thinks it's still kind of a fluke. Like, yeah, maybe he was coming out the door at the same time. Like he was already following her and never really lost sight of her. Yes. Yeah. So Addie goes back, I think like the next day. Yeah. I think she goes back to like later. test it out. And she basically tries to swap books. So she leaves the Odyssey there and tries to take another book. And Henry, the store clerk, was there and was like, I remember you. 
And those are like the words that really resonate with her. And she's like, oh my God, what? And he's like, yeah, you were in here the other day. You stole a book, essentially. So he's able to tell her like how they met and what she did. And she's just kind of blown away by it and overwhelmed with emotions. And then it goes from him accusing her and remembering her of stealing a book to asking her out on a date. Which... Which I mean, who doesn't want to date a shoplifter? <laughs> right. I guess. Right. I was I like, mean, oh. if he has a type, if he has a type. <laughs> but there's also something kind of weird going on with Henry. Is everyone that Henry passes seems to like love him? Just strangers on the street tell him how nice he is. Tell him how nice he looks. Or you it's know, like a superstar effect. Is how yeah, I took it. Like, like everyone, he just dazzles, like drawn to him, and he's good looking. The thing with Addie is she's drawn. She has a type, right? The guy that she drew the portrait, the one that Luke modeled himself after. All the guys that she's kind of gone with or been with throughout the years have looked similar, and so Henry kind of falls into her type of person, uh, which we all have a type um (laughs) you especially yeah like I get it Addie um but it's just like to the extreme like they go get coffee and the barista is like here's my number you should call me like going on and like just over the top yeah everyone's falling over themselves to even just talk to Henry so when Henry like tries to introduce her to his friends she gets really nervous because she knows as soon as they look away and look back they won't know who it is and they go to see this band with his friends and of course the whole thing happens where they look away they look back and they're like oh who is this and Henry gets mad at them and on stage he doesn't understand yeah he's like what do you mean i just introduced like you've met her like three or four times now like stop being Mm -hmm. rude like he gets mad because like in his friend group is an ex and he thinks the ex is just essentially being an asshole but (laughs) then one of Addie's quote-unquote exes walks up on stage and starts playing this song that they wrote together unknowingly for him and he's like this is about this girl that you know got away I dream about her all the time yeah Yeah. and it really just overwhelms her because this is one of her guys and this was here's like a sign that she is in the world and that's the way that Addie like kind of works around her curse is she leaves her mark through other people and through artists especially so part of the book between each or before each part there's like an a piece of art like a sketch and mm-hmm. who the artist was when it was who the subject was but they are all of Addie or Addie had some hand in leaving this art behind so with this singer it's a song that they wrote together and although he doesn't remember her he remembers the song that they wrote together so that's kind of her way of like getting back at the devil is like they might not remember me but I remember that I influenced this and that's my little mark. Well, and I, so I was much more invested in her storyline with this singer. Like that's kind of how the present day part opens. Yes. I thought he was going to play a bigger role. I did. I do too. Like I liked that. And I liked the tie in of how she was able to influence art, even through like the years in the 1700s and 1800s all the way up, she has kind of infiltrated. And I think that's such a cool concept. And it made me want to know, like, is there anything like that in real life of like, you know, one person being the subject for three different people. And yeah, I don't know. That was definitely interesting tie in and a good way to, to frame the whole story. I like the way that she was able to tie that throughout the book. I thought that was a really cool piece. Maybe I'll go with that was my favorite plot line rather than the one with the devil. Maybe yeah. I'll. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll go with that take one. Take that devil part back. <laughs> yeah, I take back. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but part of it is like she can't. She still can't be captured fully in art. So like she can write a song, or she can inspire a painting. But if they paint her 
it's always blurry. Or if they take a picture of her, it's always blurry. Mm -hmm. But the thing that stands out are her freckles because she has a very unique, what they call, you know, constellation of freckles of seven uniquely patterned freckles on her face. And everybody always comments on them. And that is what gets carried through in the art is, and that's kind of what all like the historians are like, this one is similar to this piece that was painted 50 years later and look at the similarities between the women so it's I think that was really cool I really liked that yeah but after she hears the song by her little ex fling she kind of has a panic attack and runs outside and Henry comes after her and is like I'm sorry about my friends and that's when she tells him the truth about her bargain with the devil and she's taking a big leap of faith to be like Listen, we just met, but I made a deal with the devil. This was another plot hole for me, which I get that it was explained, but he just, like, takes it in stride. He's like, okay, tell me more. Like, yeah, I don't know. Doesn't think she's crazy at all. Yes. But we find out later. Yeah. So he takes it all in stride, which, again, like, takes us by surprise but he then tells her later and we find out before she does but Henry also made a a deal with the devil but a year ago so not 300 years ago but Mm -hmm. he he's the type of first person who falls in love like fast deep love very easy um and he had recently been broken up with he proposed to this woman that he loved thought she was the one and she turned him down. Which like, was like that's horrible. Yeah, it is I horrible. So bad for him then. Yeah. And she was basically like, Well, you're nice, but like, like you're not the one. Ugh. Yeah, like, can we still be friends? Like, oh, after proposal denial? No, no, ma'am. But Which, if- also I wanted to know more of that story because yeah. I was like what led him to propose? I don't know. They I were feel like they in... for like two years though. So I know, for you but to I guess not really like... like somebody that much and stay with him for two years, like, ooh, what are you doing? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, what was going on in her mind, and how was this not an agreed? Like, I feel like most proposals between my friends and family are very much agreed upon beforehand, and it's just like waiting for the actual act. Yes. So for there to even be the option of saying no just seemed crazy to me. And I felt really bad for him. Oh, I did too. But he also like goes way off the deep end after that. You know, he gets drunk. He does drugs. You know, his sister gives him some of her prescription meds. um, And essentially he thinks about killing himself, like jumping off the roof of his building. So He leaves his friends at this party. He walks home and he's essentially standing on the edge of the roof when suddenly a stranger appears. Mm -hmm. And the way it's told to us at the beginning is he's sitting on the stoop of his building in the rain when a stranger comes by and is like, oh, it looks like you had a rough night. You want to tell me about it? And it ends up being Luke or the devil. And he kind of smoothly talks his way into getting Henry to make a deal with him where he's like, well, what if I told you, you didn't have to feel this way that every, instead of you getting heartbreaking, heartbroken and falling in love with everyone, everyone would fall in love with you. Like nobody could tell you no, essentially. Like they would just think you're just the most amazing person. So he was in such like a dark place at the time that he agreed to it and that's all she wrote essentially at this point that's all we know about it mm-hmm. and he comes clean to Addie and is like I feel like you're the only one who truly sees me for me because it was great at first everybody loving me everybody thinking I was great like he got a job offer for one that he wasn't qualified for but that he wanted you know, a while ago and he has exes calling him for second chances and the baristas leaving their numbers on his coffee cup, you know, just like all of this. He's like, they love me, but they don't really see me for me. 
and that's not real love. And so hit like the kind of high from his curse fades very quickly for him. But he kind of that thing for both of them with yeah, like the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Like all Henry wants is just to be loved after he's had this big heartbreak. And so he gets what he wants and then quickly realizes that it's not all it's cracked up to be because it's not real. And so I thought that was an interesting twist on like their two curses. Yeah. Because the devil, like he's going to be shady about it. You know, Mm -hmm. he's not going to just be like, yeah, everyone will love you. There's going to be a twist, but they weren't thinking about it in the moment. So I think kind of like the shine faded very quickly for both of them on their deals. But Mm -hmm. he, realizes that Addie sees him because one of the things is when people talk to Henry they kind of get like this glassy look in their eyes and so he knows that like they see him how they want to see him and not how he actually is but that doesn't happen with Addie so again he falls in love very quickly with Addie but I, and she claims to fall in love with him, but I you don't, don't think know. she actually did. I don't think she did. I think she fell in love with the, I think she liked him and she maybe could have loved him, but I think she loved the fact more like the novelty that he remembered her and that she could be somebody around him rather than loving him as a person. See, I disagree. I think that she really did fall in love with him. I mean, obviously, it was started by this is the only person she can have a true relationship with because she's had all of these great relationship moments with other people and they they forget them. She remembers them, but she, like, resets. Like, with the singer especially, she talked about how, you know, we do the same song and dance every day. I'm just a different – to him, I'm a different person, but – you know, right. she builds relationships through that. But I don't know. In the end, she. I think she fell in love with the idea of them and what they could be. And that she loved the idea that they could have a relationship. And I think she cared for him. I do. But I don't know if she loved him because there were parts where she was like, is this what love really is? Or. You know, I don't know. She just kind of questioned it and it made me question it because he he said at first, I love you. And she said, I love you, too. But then mm-hmm. she would kind of have these moments where she's like, is this really love? Or, you know, like what's happening here? So I don't know. I, I think that speaks to who we are as people. <laughs> that you're like, yeah, she totally loved it. And she is love. Well, real. I mean... <laughs> I'm thinking more of just, like, because of the ending, I don't think she would have done that for someone that she didn't truly love. Or did she see another victim of the devil and she wanted to pull a fast one on him? Pull a fast one on the devil? Uh Uh-huh. Because it's a whole cat and mouse game the whole time. And it's like, who's going to outsmart who? Yeah, I guess I didn't take it that way, but... yeah. I mean, that maybe that's the pessimist in me talking, but that's how I took it. <laughs> so while we're having this, like, good discussion, I guess we can talk, like, like we said, there's how a lot. No, well, like, there's a lot oh. that we're skipping over, but it's because it became boring. redundant. <laughs> like, yeah, like, when you're first, like, reading about her curse and everything that she does to get around it, it's, like, very interesting and then you're like, okay, like someone else forgets her now. And then you like mm-hmm. read and you're like, oh, here's another situation. How are they, how is she going to get around them not remembering her? You know, just like again and, and like, again, you were just like, oh, okay, so they're not going to remember her. What's going to happen, you know? And I felt that way, especially with the Luke scenes. I'm like, oh, he's back again. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I didn't like that. For me to, yeah, at See, least no, he remembered I her. I was just like. All right. My problem with it was I it reminded me very much of the Age of Adeline movie. That's true. Which, and it has been first of all, that. 
Yeah, because first of all, just the names. They're both named Adeline. Yeah. <laughs> and it's this similar type of concept of like one's going to live forever, which in Adeline, people remembered her in the movie. But I was just kind of like, I've I've been there, done that. That's how I felt about this whole book. Like that there, similarity that. was too much for me and reading the redundancy over and over because I was like, all right, we get the picture. We don't need, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to beat a dead horse. Yeah. I mean, I read it very quickly and I didn't, it was redundant and I kind of like heavily sighed at some parts, like, here we go again. But it, it didn't mm-hmm. like slow down my interest because I think the writing quality is so good that I was able to like get through it and find out what because I wanted to know how it ended because I was like oh is it going to do this is this going to happen like how how does this resolve like my interest is peaked enough to find out what happened and the writing I mean I know you listen to it but I really think the writing quality is very good and if it had been lesser quality maybe I wouldn't have read it as quickly I just felt like it was almost not even, almost an overdeveloped plot line, if that's even a thing. Like, it was because the writing quality was shorter. Yes, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, like, I do agree that the writing quality was really good and like the character development was very there, but I'm also like, is too there. Like, we, I don't know. It, yeah, it just drugged too much for me. Like, I did want to know the ending by the end, but in the middle of the book I was like oh my gosh can we just get to the point already yeah that's kind of how I felt yeah I agree but by that time I was committed like I think you were worried I wasn't gonna finish I know I was like uh do we need to do a new pick because I read it like pretty quickly um but I was even listening on like 1.75 speed and I still was like oh my gosh (laughs) come on (laughs) yes like how are we still doing this yeah there were a lot of like extra fluff scenes that could have been cut out it could have been like 100 pages shorter I do agree with that so eventually through all this fluff we find out so Henry's thing Addie has the wooden ring there's always like this token that the devil has and Henry's was a watch Mm -hmm. and Addie has noticed it for a while and Henry's all she's all about like taking her time and getting to see new things or enjoying the moment whereas Henry is all about let's do everything we can in as little time as we have and she's never truly understood it but she's gone along with it because he remembers her but she real like she comes to find out that the watch was given to Henry because while her deal was essentially eternity Henry's deal was for a year and so this watch was to remind him of how much time he had left, which is so cruel. Which, and it was on, like, a countdown. Yeah. Which, not surprising, coming from the devil, that it was so cruel. But can you imagine having, like, your life timeline, like, on your wrist all no, the time? and it's that whole thing of, like, do you really want to know when you're going to die? Right. And it's like, no, because then you're just on edge the entire time waiting for it to happen. Yeah. You don't get to truly live your life. Right. So that's she like that's why he's living his life basically in fast forward is he's trying to experience and do everything he can and the time he has left. So at the time she finds out she finds out that he only has a month left on his timeline. So Addie calls on Luke to beg him essentially to change the deal with Henry. Like she tries to charm him, she tries to do all this make all these exchanges and Luke's like no deal you know like he knew what he was doing that's one thing like I'll never change is they knew what they were doing they can bag me but it is what it is so Addie's you think she's like resigned herself to this and she helps Henry live like the best last month of his life that he can like they go see his family they say goodbye to all his friends they go to the beach like they have all these like perfect days together whereas like time is counting down the whole time but finally when you think that like nothing's going to happen and Henry actually is going to die it comes time for that day to come around and you find out that Addie promises herself to 
the devil in exchange for releasing Henry. And Luke accepts. Which that part, like, confusing because I'm like, you already have her soul. But he wanted her. That is confusing. I took it. I'm like, you already had her. To break the curse of people not remembering her, she had to, like, go be with him. Like, she would still live because, yes, he has her soul and whatever, but it would just be more back to normal is what I thought it was going to be. Well, but this is also where I'm like. But her curse isn't broken. Henry's is. Right. But then I'm like, would she sacrifice herself by going to live with the devil for someone she didn't love? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think she loved Henry. I'm still like stuck on that one. I don't know. I think she did because like it just seems crazy to me to hold out for 300 years of going like Luke's been after her the whole time of just come come be with me, come be with me and she keeps saying no, no, no. And it's not until like the thought of is... Henry dying. Yeah. Because she know. loves him enough to want him to have a better life. Like I think she knows that she'll never have the normal life, but she wants him like, if they can't be together the way they have been, and he's going to die, she wants him to yeah. have the normal life. I still think it's about the game of how she can outsmart. Like, I think she did care for him. I don't think she, like, loved him in this end-all, be-all way. I think this was her way of, like, leaving her mark again of, like, I'm going to save this guy, and no one's going to remember that I did it, but I'm going to save him. And... But it's another way to get back at Luke. But she exchanges herself again. Where To this time, I guess she's, like, with Luke all the time now. Mm-hmm. And Henry remembers her. And... Because he had written down, like... He had written, She yeah. couldn't write her story. She couldn't write her own story down. The words would just disappear. But when she would tell it to him, if he wrote it down, it would stay. So he had been writing her entire life story, basically. And so he turns that into a novel. Yes, which I did. I liked that tie-in, too. I thought that was cool. I did like that tie-in. He, he, well, I mean, he, he go, you go through the heartbreak of him realizing that Addie's gone, like, truly gone from his life. And... He did love her because like we said, he falls in love very easily, very quickly. And so he truly loved her. And then he takes these pages of all the notes that he took on her life and makes makes it into a novel, like you said. And the Mm -hmm. novel title is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Which I did like I appreciate. I like that time. I thought that was cool. And I thought it was funny because Henry's, like, best friend, when she read, like, the draft, she when he got to the end, she was like, this is bullshit. Like, what happened? Did she really go with Luke? Like, after all that, he's just like, mm-hmm. I assume so. Like, I don't know. And so she thinks it's – she doesn't remember Addie. She doesn't know that this is who the story is about. And she's just like, you assume so? Like, how do you not know? And – and that's, I don't know. I just thought that was really cool how the ending of the book that he wrote is the same as the ending of our book. Right. And Addie, you know, I think she's in London now. She's in a bookstore because, again, she's always drawn to books and other worlds. And she sees, you know, she hears her name because somebody goes to the counter and says, could I get a copy of Addie LaRue? And she's like, oh my gosh, like, that's me. And she turns around and there's, like, a whole display of the invisible life of Addie LaRue by Henry. And But it was by it was by an unknown author, I think. Yeah, yeah. But she knows it's by him. But Yeah, she said there's no sign of him on there, no author's name, no photo, but the title to the dedication is I Remember You. Mm-hmm. Which that part, I was like, oh, kind of goosebumps, but then she kind of has like her flashback to their time together and then Luke shows up and it you know seems that they're together you're kind of tricked in 
into thinking that she's loving him again because he's like, oh, yeah, like, they can have the story of you as long as I have you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then this is what makes me think it was more about, like, the game with him is at the end, she's like, I'm going to ruin him. I'm going to ruin his idea of them. I'm going to break his heart. I'm going to make him hate me. And then I'll finally be free. And it's like, so it, it goes on like, this is the new game. And the new battle has begun. So I think the whole time it was about getting back at him for what he did to her. And well, she I- saved Henry from him to get back at him. See, I guess I think of it as more of both. Like, I think she was playing the long game the whole time. Like, she knew she could do this. Yeah. And twist it to get back at him. But I still think she did did the actual act because she loved Henry. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, it might have. I think what caused them to feel so in love was what that they were both the only person that saw the real one that that's what started it. But I still think the feelings by the end were true. Yeah. Yeah. I think she cared for him. (laughs) You just don't believe in love. I don't. Can we tell who's the pessimist over here? I'm just like, yeah, it's not real. Um, It's all fake. It's it's lies. Yeah. So I don't know. I, despite the extra fluff in the middle that didn't need to be there. I really liked the story and I, it did draw comparisons. Like you said, age of Adeline, beauty and the beast. <laughs> there were similarities, but this is the book first book I've read by V.E. Schwab. And I was impressed. I think she's a very good writer. I think the story was very good. I could, definitely see it being adapted as like a mini series with and they could either enhance some storylines or you know cut out some of the stuff that didn't necessarily need to be there that didn't really move the plot along Mm -hmm. um but yeah i really liked it at the end of the day i'm glad that you did (laughs) (laughs) I know you feel I mean you said you wanted to know how it ended so yeah but I did liked the storyline a little bit well by that point good lord I was like 10 hours into listening to it I was invested yeah but I didn't I didn't get the overwhelming like oh that's such a great like closure book ending feeling that I love. Oh, I see, I don't that. care about that. Uh, I, see, I got actually, like a okay, good, this is over feeling. No, I well, I don't care about like the closure. I actually like the open endedness of it, of like to be continued, which I don't think it is. I know there is like speculation about a sequel. Personally, I hope there isn't one, just because I think it's a good standalone, mm-hmm. and I'm content with the ending, like to know what her intention was and like how she's going to play this game. I said the devil doesn't want her anymore. So I don't know. I I like like this book. (laughs) And like, I didn't really know anything about it when he suggested it. I feel like I'd heard of it or I'm like, okay, I recognize that cover from seeing it around, but I really didn't know what it was about. So I read the summary and I was like, Oh yeah, this sounds great. And it just didn't, fit for me but that's okay. yeah I was a little worried it wouldn't fit for you when I suggested it but I was like let's go with it anyway it'll yeah. make good for good discussion if we have two opposing views because I recommend it I thought it was good but also I think our quick recap is also enough so <laughs> that's what I'm like, yes we yeah. glossed over a lot but also got so enough. I think that was that was my biggest problem with it is that I we glossed it over just so much. much, you guys, so much. So, so if you much. and if so you're many little subplots, yeah, and it's cool to see how she wove like real history into it, like Beethoven, and uh, she made it like a lot. I of appreciated artists. that the most. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, the whole art tie-in is what I appreciated the most. Yeah, so you get to read more about that, and there's so much we didn't tell you, but it didn't 
feel essential to the plot that we were like we have to go over every little detail and we like to leave things to be discovered every time we do this but we left a lot to be discovered this time if this was a netflix show or movie i would watch it i think i would like it better as a film like and I always feel like that's wrong to say, yet I've said it, like, five times on Every this time, right. So, not every time, okay? <laughs> not every single time. Just the ones we've picked. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I would still watch it. I think it would translate well to that. Yeah. But. I, yeah, I would absolutely watch it. Um, but another thing that I have to say about the book is I, while I enjoyed it, and obviously I'm recommending it to people, I didn't particularly care about any of the characters. That's what I was. If that, that was my sounds thing too. bad, like, like I, of course, you're rooting for Addie against the devil. Like, come on. We but <laughs> I didn't even really care. Like, I wasn't that invested in her because she. Well, I wasn't me. invested. <laughs> yeah, she was very childish, despite however like long she lived. Yeah, she was still about like I don't know. It was obvious she was very lonely and that's why she wanted she was so drawn to Henry because he remembered her and I think it was cool that she left her impression in art but I just like wasn't deeply invested in anybody. Right. And that was my problem. So I was like I don't care about these characters or the storyline that much. <laughs> so I just was like all right, let's just wrap it up. But Yeah. I would absolutely read another book by this author, though. I think she's a great writer. Yeah, I I do think... I think it was a good concept. Yeah. Just the execution was not my personal style. Yeah. But... But I do have a question for you. Okay. So if you had to choose one of the curses, and not, not the timeline, Ooh. but the curse. So... As, Pretend they're all for eternity or whatever. Would you rather have Addie's curse of nobody remembering her? Or would you rather have Henry's curse of everybody being in love with him, but it not being real? Um, <laughs> this answer is so typically only child, but I would rather everyone be in love with me. <laughs> <laughs> Most no, but- of all, because logistically, that is a lot easier The logistics of everyone forgetting Addie, like, that was interesting to me how they portrayed that as far as her, like, she couldn't even rent an apartment because the landlady didn't remember giving her a key. So she was always like, who are you? You never paid me. So that, like, at least Henry can, I feel like that's a lot easier to ignore. Like, you could forget about that curse at some point of just like, oh, whatever, they're in love with me because of the curse. Versus, like, Addie can never turn that off, you know? I completely agree. I would much rather be falsely loved because love isn't real anyway. (laughs) That's not where I was going with that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I would, I would much rather because to be just completely forgotten and to be lonely all the time sounds like a truly horrible existence. And I don't think I could persevere like Addie did hundred years. No, because you can't even hold down a regular job, you know? Like, right, yeah. You're reduced to either waiting tables at a different restaurant every single day for your first day of work the entire rest of your life or, you know, selling yourself or whatever. Or stealing, just, yeah. Yeah, that would be so hard. But what – okay, so this is another – I guess this brings me to another plot hole. Like, Henry still was able to keep his core group of friends – and they treated him a little differently, but, like... He could do no his... wrong with them. That's fine with me. That's a good yeah. life. <laughs> and I, think, I think they did. She sort of addressed it to where, like, they would get, like, that glassy look, but Sometimes. not as much. So yeah. they would say, like, the way she kind of described it is, like, when Henry was talking to people, the longer he talked to them, like the glassier like the deeper the fog of their eyes got and it, it was a little different for his friends right i was thinking so it's very subtly addressed yeah the one that he worked with in the book bookstore like that was a more normal friendship i get with his exes like they were kind of in the yeah. eyes, but 
Yeah, I definitely would rather have that curse than Addie's. But yeah, I I agree with that. So that's one thing we agree on. At the end of the episode, we found it. <laughs> we found it, and not caring about the characters we agree. Yeah, on, yeah, we found that too. But yeah, that is our take on the invisible life of Addie Larue. Yes. So. Thank you all for listening. We've got another lineup. I'm excited about our lineup this month. Yeah, it's um, all over the place, but it keeps it interesting, right? It is, but it's fun. We're going to work in a, another double feature, which is always a fun time. And we're excited, like we mentioned, the giveaway. So be sure to tune in because by the next time we record, we will have a winner, hopefully, for that. Yeah, I'm excited. And me too so again thank you all for listening be sure to follow us on instagram at life and lit pod that's where we post all of our content talk about the books that we're going to be featuring you can interact with us there let us know if you agree or disagree with our takes on these be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening and please drop us a review on spotify or apple Podcasts because that really helps us get our name out there And we will be back next week with another great pick. So as always, happy reading. Happy reading.